What is going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing Out Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope everybody's having a wonderful start to their, uh, like a kind of start of their weekend. I mean, isn't it Saturday is like the start of the weekend? Because Friday is still a part of the week. I don't know. The things I think about. Uh, yeah, this episode, we have a we have a great guest. Um, he has been a part of the Dynasty program almost from the very beginning. He is a standout back player, one of the most clutch that I have ever seen have ever seen play the game. And um, I can't say enough th- enough things about uh, about Yosh, man. He is just he's a stand-up guy, super down to earth, uh, very approachable. And I mean, just amazing work ethic shows up, and he's a beast. He is a, a one-on-one beast. He his shot is stellar, man. If if you guys know who he is, you know what I'm talking about. If you played against the guy, you know what I'm talking about. It is just hands down. Um, uh, it was an honor to be able to talk to him and get his backstory and uh, and really see kind of. His take on everything that's going on, Dynasty's recent success, uh, their past success, and and where the future lies, and and where his future lies, and I think um, I think it was really enlightening and kind of a great you know a great take on everything. But uh, but yeah, so here it is. Here is the podcast with Yosh Rao. Kind of, I mean, we, we can get into it as we're talking about because we should talk about podcasts because for sure I think that's an important and relevant subject in uh, you know the paintball environment today. But uh, you know I, I enjoyed listening to your show with Mike because you know relatively speaking, all the guys on the team, Mike is a new guy. Even though it's been two years now, yeah. um, I still appreciate hearing somebody be able to speak in a room that I'm not in to get a better understanding of that person, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mike's one of those guys that I for sure, you know, want to continue to learn more about and get to know as a teammate. And, uh, I mean, you know, you understand how all that stuff goes, right? Oh yeah. You get like a limited amount of time to spend with, with people. So if I get to talk, if I get to hear him talk to you for two hours, it's like, (laughs) I fucking know the guy, you know, you're right there (laughs) in the room. Yeah, I know exactly too. Because uh, you know, being a newer guy on the team, even though it's been two years, it's been like sporadic, right? With twenty twenty and everything has happened. I don't know if you heard about it, but this whole COVID thing—it's crazy. I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, you Google it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you you tend to, as a new guy, it becomes very nerve wracking, especially the um, just the legendary status that you guys have. And not, not just the, the 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 other players saying you guys are legendary. I mean, you guys have the hardware to back it up, and being a player coming into that, and to really kind of open up to somebody who is like one of your heroes or somebody you looked up to, I think sometimes can be really tough. And and to kind of be able to open up to somebody about a program that you're in because maybe you can't, you're not exactly 100% comfortable yet because you're still in that maybe. Not that he is in this situation, but I mean, just like 
that almost grooming period still where you're still kind of just learning how everything works while doing well with the team you yeah. are uh it's, it was really cool to see and really cool to hear his his kind of take on things too because it's i mean it's such a legendary team it's just it's amazing yeah i mean i think um you know i'll i'll benefit from from learning more about mike's perspective on things because the perspective that i have even though i try to you know be in other people's space also but the perspective i have is my own you know and it's yep. like kind of this thing that's all dried up and leathery after 20 years and it's nice to hear like what someone else feels when they're a part of the team you know because that's mm -hmm. a that's a big part of of um, them feeling like they're a part of the team and team chemistry and and also you know I'll say you don't strike gold like finding a Mike Urena very often right and so to me it's like I want that guy to understand that we care about him and that we want him to be a part of our program for a long time. You yeah. know, I don't want him to exist on in his mind, like on the razor's edge of, am I, am I still good enough to be on the team? Are these guys happy with me? Are they not happy with me? You know, like I want him to get past that part as quickly as he can, yeah. as quickly as he can process it so that, uh, you know, he can start working into the ultra confident, ultra growth, you know, being a, an absolute part of the team and being the beast on the field that I know he will be, yeah, uh, as soon as possible. You know, no, absolutely. And I I know where he's coming from too because uh, playing on excessive at an early age and and being so distant from those guys, so much more time away than than with them, it's almost like every time you even show up to practice, you're. Just, trying to earn the spot even though you have a jersey with your name on the back it's still like and in a sense obviously you you are earning your spot i mean you you're showing up and you're performing and everything but even in in my mind i was still kind of like putting another speed bump in front of me because i was like man you know they're not getting to see me play and, and they're they're taking me at my word that i'm practicing as much as, much as i can at home and right. uh you're almost sometimes it's it's not as beneficial because when you get there you you try and overcompensate for your missed time and missed practices and things totally and you're breaking you're breaking into like your what you perceive as this like boys club all these guys know yeah. each other forever you know all these guys have played together forever they've won tournaments they've proven themselves together they all have this like confidence in each other mm -hmm. and here i am new guy trying to find my place trying to prove myself but the, yeah. the right mentality always is that you're trying to earn your spot, right? I mean, mm -hmm. from the top to the bottom, that's always the right mentality. But there's there's extra pressure when you're the newest guy or you're, you're the youngest guy or when, um, you know, you're on a new team with a bunch of people that you don't know really well yet. Yeah. It's a tough spot, but it's also it's uh, it's you have to realize at the same time that these guys are giving you a chance to really come into your own. I mean, it's it's yeah. the it's the opportunity of a lifetime, um, I think, and I, I believe that he realizes that as well. And I think he's just going to, he's going to be such a weapon for you guys. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be silly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I kind of look at Mike and I'm like the guys are already blossomed. You know, mm -hmm. the guys are already like showing what he can do and who he can be. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not everybody has has taken notice 
of the beautiful flower that is Mike Urena yet. But, you know, we see it. We're really happy that he's involved and, um, you know, we see we see big things in his future for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you guys have the front row seat on that because you've had a lot of people come through your program who had potential, who never really, you know, never really came to fruition. And it's uh, with Mike, it's really cool to to know that he wants it. You know, not that anybody else didn't, but I, I just felt by our conversation and just by the small interactions that him and I have had, he he really enjoys being on the team and just playing the game in general. Mike is is very passionate about the game. You know, he like he established early on for himself that this was a dream that he wanted to pursue. And uh, when I spoke to him before, you know, he was officially on the team. I mean, I kind of felt like the first time I talked to him on the phone, he was officially on the team. But, you know, we were we were working to that and it yeah. was going to happen in the next couple of days. We we're going to figure it out, you know, but, um, you know, I, I could just tell that he was, um, you know, he was a little starstruck with the with the dynasty proposition, but that he wanted the opportunity really really bad because he loves the competition you know and he's a he's a grinder and he you know i i I think i told him that in the in the first call that we had together that we just we wanted him to come into the team and we wanted him to be himself we didn't want him to change you know the the things that we had noticed about his play his play style his mentality um we didn't want him to lose that edge you know we wanted him to bring that edge to the team and we would help him to to channel it and focus it. And, uh, you know, so far he's, he's done an excellent job with it. I mean, he's, he's a very well-rounded player, even though a lot of front guys don't get credit for being well-rounded. Right. But that's true. Um, but the best guys in the game are well-rounded. They just, you know, they always look like they're the, to the spear. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike can play, I mean, Mike can play all the positions and he, he can play as the Island and he's, you know, he's extremely vocal on the field and he knows what to say and when to say it. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of properties um, and characteristics for a for a front player. But he's also, I think, a, a great mid game strategist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing out there. So we're lucky to have him. Yeah. You know, playing front for as long as I have, it was that was one of the frustrating things for me is I, I felt like. Yeah, it was cool being known for like speed and this whole kind of like missile thing. But I, I wanted to be also known as like I can play paintball too, kind of a thing. And it gets totally. really, really mentally difficult when it's like, uh, hey, go here off the break, go here off the break, go here off the break. And it's like, all right, well, I want to play a little bit of paintball here, but it's like you kind of have to play to your strengths um, at times. As a front guy, you you lose some of those opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're you know in on a typical layout, the front guy is at the most risk of getting shot off the brakes. You're you're gonna have your chances cut by a third or a half because of that. Yeah. I mean, maybe in your case, less than that because you're yeah. you know the speed <laughs> demon that you are. But um, you know that makes it hard. It makes it so that you have limited opportunities, even though it might look like you're getting every opportunity because you're spinning every single point. Yeah. You're still getting limited opportunities mm-hmm. because it's easier to shoot you on the break. Right. And yeah. so you're also, you know, kind of pigeonholed because if you're a certain type of player, there might not be other guys on your team that can 
that can fill that role. So you have to keep doing that. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> like on my team, there's lots of guys that can shoot from the back center, you know, <laughs> um, that's part of the earning too, but mm -hmm. you know, you become kind of a specialist. And I think, I think a lot of front guys kind of fall into that. They become a specialist and people don't look at them as this well-rounded paintball player until they reach like the absolute highest level at their position. And you look at, you know, a player like, I mean, mouse is always a great example of a guy to use. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of great front players out there. Mouse makes a great example because a lot of people, you know, look at him and think this guy's a, a physical specimen. He's possibly the fastest guy in the league. I don't know if he is anymore, but he's, he's damn fast and he can stretch a field and he can get, he can get to spots. Yeah. But you know, the thing that makes mouse a, a great player and a very impactful player is, is not really his speed. It's, it's how he plays the game once he makes a spot. Right. And he, he uses his brain more than a lot of players and he exists and he kind of knows how to play the moments and, uh, you know, he's often there at the end when the team needs him mm -hmm. and he's out in that far spot where you, where you need a player or where you have an advantage mid game. Yeah. So, you know, he's kind of developed his game to where he can make spots, but then he get, he affords himself the opportunity to play longer into points. And, uh, you know, he's gotten the, the trust of his, of his teammates and his coaches to do that where he doesn't have to be this ultra aggressive guy every single point, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think a lot of front players can learn from that, you know, and that there's an effective way to play that spot. Um, that doesn't involve you, you know, feeling forced to like trade your body or be the ultra aggressive guy all the time. You need mm -hmm. like, you need that mix. Right. Yeah. Um, and that brings me back to, you know, Mike and how I think he's, he's starting to pick up on that, the flow of the game and understanding where those moments are and how to exploit them. And when, when is the right time to press it a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, bringing it back to mouse too, I think if he was half his size and he was a computer technician, he would still be playing the game the way he does with the amount of accuracy and ability that he does. Right. Uh, it, it just becomes one of those things where it's like, you know, we always talk about how, you know, this, the paintball is 10% mental, 90% physical, you know, do whatever math you want, but there's more mental side than there is physical side. And, but to have that ability to be able to, you know, close the distance is just, yeah. you know, that much more. And even going back to the, you know, to your position. Yeah. You know, anybody can shoot from the back center, but to be consistently accurate, every single point to be alive for the majority of the game and to pull out, um, all of these clutch moves and two on ones and one on threes and all these things. I mean, that's every single position is so key in five man X ball. And you guys ran. So th congratulations, by the way, before we go any Thank further you. on your, Thank on your you. world cup, how, how many, uh, cup wins is this for you? Um, I'm not totally sure, you know, at, um, I know it's been three since 2015, and I feel like, uh, you know, for the first 15 years of the exist existence of Dynasty, the team was on a was on a run that was very consistent, and there are a lot of wins in there. And the last the last five or six years, the wins have been harder to come by, and that's, you know, uh, in some ways, that's uh, you know, the team 
going through some some uh, call them transition periods and trying to you know find the right mix of guys. Yeah. And you know that also speaks a lot to the level of play and some of these other teams who have um, you know been pretty dominant over the last five years or six years. And um, you know the the level of play as a whole has gone up a lot. I mean, I think you you could you could look at the pro division maybe five or ten years ago. And you could kind of like pick out, you know, five or six teams that you thought, yeah, these guys are going to make it to Sunday. These guys are going to, you know, have their chance in the finals. Mm -hmm. And now you look at the pro division and I believe that that number has probably expanded to, you know, 10 or maybe even 12 teams. And that's a huge jump, you know, because not only does that mean that there's 10 or 12 teams that are good that anyone could kind of pick as, you know, this team showed well at the last event they can make it in there but it really mixes up the pressure in the prelims right where teams are you know a little bit more in a scramble now to just make it to the next round i mean you can't take that for granted anymore yeah whereas before you know you got oh we got this team we got that team this team's going to be challenging this team probably not so much we can try some things we can make sure we get like a good rotation fuck that that's not the case anymore you know all these teams are really good and if you don't show up and if you don't play your best if something goes wrong right i mean like anything equipment paint strategy uh, a player that you rely on isn't performing up to their normal standard yeah the team just isn't feeling it whatever you're gonna lose you know and then and then the next match in the prelims you have to face another one of those teams that can put you on your ass if you aren't ready right Mm -hmm. so to be able to be winning now um, you know, the question started, how many World Cups is it? I don't know. But to be able to win a World Cup now, I think, is probably the hardest thing that the team has, has had to do. And for the guys to win two in a row and to have the season that we had is like, I mean, I I, I don't want to say it's a miracle, but it, it's just like, it's so hard. And, I, and yeah. I look at what the team has accomplished and I just like, I can only attribute it to like what we call in our huddle, dynasty magic, you know? <laughs> Things just things just go when we when we all are on the same page and we're working for it. Yeah, and thinking about it too, I mean, you guys, I, I don't know how many you had in Chicago or even the whole season as far as uh, players, but you guys had what seven at Cup? Um, we had eight at Cup, eight. and the only reason that we had eight was because we called Brandon Short out of retirement, and it was you know every again. <laughs> part of the magic there uh he just happened to already have a ticket he was coaching a division two team and he had come out to play a day of practice with us on the first layout weekend Mm -hmm. um just because he wanted to have some fun with the boys you know and he wanted to probably learn the field a little bit because he knew he had a coaching gig and it just was like a good fit and unfortunately on sunday afternoon uh we were practicing against dmg an impact um, up in Sacramento at Dave Baines Field. Yeah. And we lost Dalton to an injury Sunday afternoon. And it's oh, like, man. yeah, you know, it's one of those things. An injury can can strike at any time. But that one, that one, um, you know, it was especially difficult for the team to process because, first of all, I mean, we love Dalton and he's such an important part of the team. But as a person, you know, he he was so disappointed you know, that he wasn't going to be able to make it to World Cup and that, you know, he understands how much the team relies on him. 
And I could just see it on his face when he, you know, when the injury happened, he just, he knew that outside of his control, there was this big letdown happening, you know? So then we had seven guys Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we were just going to roll with it. Um, I'll admit, didn't feel great. You know, (laughs) World Cup is is always a difficult tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, It helps to have depth. And especially when you have a a crew of old fogies that are susceptible to injury, (laughs) right? I mean, we kind of dealt with that this year, too, having different guys injured at different times. Yeah. But we called short, and he was able to kind of answer the call, and he came out. he, He wasn't able to attend every prelim match, but he was able to come in and get right back in with the team like we expected him to. And he ended up playing a pivotal role, just like all the guys did. You know, I mean, from the from the top of the roster on down, everybody played a big role in the win. And at different times, we relied on different guys. You know, mm-hmm. um, we've talked a lot about Mike. And, you know, I can't say enough about um, how Arturo played in the practices leading up to World Cup and, and at the event as well. I mean, he's yeah. kind of shaping into, like this guy that we can rely on to be an extremely versatile weapon. You know, he actually, he actually shoots really well on the break too. So it just kind of opens up all the spots for him to play. And for us to have a guy that can play like all the different front spots and get in them in creative ways and produce it's, you know, that's like having an extra guy. So, yeah. Um, you know, having, having Arturo healthy, um, and back with the team was, was, a huge boost and getting and getting Brandon, um, you know, back in the fold, even though he kind of had to ease him what his way in. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was a big boost for the team. And, and obviously all the rest of the guys, um, you know, stepped it, stepped up when it was needed and boosted each other. And we just, we had a good thing going and it felt good. Yeah. I could definitely tell that, um, Marcelo, not that he was slacking at all, but he had really kind of, played that one and two role really well on that D side. I was going back and rewatching um, some matches and specifically the, the finals match and just how well he was playing that, that just kind of fall back a little bit, but then knew when to put the pressure on. It's like, I mean, but he's also, you know, he's Marcel. He's been playing paintball for, he's a vet, for how long? You know? Yeah. He's, I mean, he, he literally wrote the book on how to play paintball. At literally. Level, right. <laughs> um, that's an easy one. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Marcelo played great. He, um, he, uh, he really struggled through practice. Um, uh, I think he's probably told that part of the story pretty openly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, um, he's a, he's a perfectionist when it comes to paintball. Um, he's a perfectionist when it comes to a lot of stuff, you know, he does, he does things really well and he takes pride in that and he really st- struggled through practice. And that was, it was, it was it was so bad that it was starting to create a little bit of a mental block where he was he was feeling like shit i'm gonna go into world cup and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna stink yeah you know i like i don't even know what spot i should play i don't know what's going on with me i can't put it together wow and you know yeah you don't like to hear that from one of the guys that you normally rely on um mm-hmm. but marcelo is the type of player that you just know when it comes tournament time you know, he just has to get out of that funk and he's going to produce. So I think the team was really supportive of him, you know, um, just like, yeah, whatever. You're having some tough practices. It's it's all in your head. You yeah, know? it's you're going to you're going to find your way out of it. Plus, we only have seven dudes. So step step the fuck <laughs> step up. The fuck up. Need you, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I've been there plenty of times where it's like yeah. just a ball magnet and nothing is going right and you're starting to question your entire existence of why you're like how am I even on this team yeah. what is going on like but then you step on the you know onto the tournament field and you know everything kind of uh, everything clicks and you're like oh yeah I know how to play paintball this is fucking yeah. easy oh yeah this is my spot yeah this is this is where I want to play either here or there yeah and I mean he he, he played great you know I mean um did you know how it is when when the team wins? It's like everyone played great. I could I could I could talk for twenty minutes about each guy. You know, I could talk yeah. about moments in the event that I remember, moments in practice, moments in between where you know a guy was was critical in just helping another guy out. You know, that's like the that's like the jolly old feeling that you get when everything mm-hmm. is just you know the team feels good and the guys are feeling great together and you know all pieces of the puzzle are are fitting with ease. Um, and that's that's what we had. And I and I give a lot of credit to um, to Coach Kevin. You know, yeah. and he's 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 vital to the team at this point. He he came in, um, you know, with with a big challenge on his hands. So the team had won World Cup in 2020. Uh, Rusty had, um, you know, I think all the intentions to continue to coach the team in 2021. But but late in the off season, uh, he was he was not available to do that, and so he told us, and the team was in a little bit of a scramble to figure out what we were going to do. We certainly understand the importance of having a coach, right? Yeah. I mean, at at the level we're playing at, and I and I feel like at all levels you should have a coach, but people don't really put put a lot of emphasis on that until they start you know climbing the ranks and getting better and better. It's it's an important role, and each coach on each team has a different role to fill, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. The role of the coach for Dynasty is going to be different than the role of the coach for, uh, you know, the Expendables, a, a team in New Zealand that, yeah. uh, you know, plays Division Two or semi-pro. And it's going to be a lot different from a coach that coaches a Division Five team, right? But the role of Dynasty's coach is is challenging. You know, it's it's managing it's managing personalities and organizing thoughts. Um, more than anything else, but it has to be, you know, you have to come in and you have to command respect because otherwise you'll get railroaded and you won't fucking get respect. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny to say that it's no disrespect to an individual, but you know, it's like you, you're one of the guys in the, in the room, right. Yeah. And you're, and you're around a bunch of guys who have a ton of experience and think that they know how to do it every time. And, a lot of times they're right, but as you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it, and mm-hmm. um, it just it has to be organized. Everyone has to be on the same page, and that's the role. And Kevin came in with one week in a practice. Then we went to Florida. The team had an awful showing. Um, we didn't put any of that on Kevin. You know, it was like the the players just didn't play well. I don't know if it was the World Cup hangover, or if um, you know there was some possibly some bad chemistry stuff going on um but yeah it didn't it didn't feel great and then uh you know in between the florida event and the philadelphia event um tyler left so it was kind of like an indicator that there was some chemistry issues Mm -hmm. right i mean um a mid-season leave you know but i mean did you uh, did you get that sorry to interrupt you but but did you think that ultimately right away of of a chemistry thing or do you think it was more of a 
a, a Tyler just seeing an opportunity of uh, financial opportunity or I, I don't know his situation with you guys, but did you did you see it more of a chemistry thing or did you see it more of an opportunity for him? Here's what I know about Tyler and I've known Tyler for a long time. Tyler is um, an extremely passionate and emotional guy, but he's also very loyal. You know, mm -hmm. Tyler is like the guy that would that would never leave you behind, um, even if it meant that he was going to, you know, be in trouble to try to pull you out. He's the right? Forrest Gump of uh, <laughs> he'll go back into the he's, yeah. he's similar. But there was something happening um whether it was in his mind or whether it was between him and and someone else in the organization that just it wasn't it wasn't mixing well mm -hmm. you know now that's where i get into you know those things that i said about tyler are pretty nice but honestly leaving mid-season at our level that's not fucking cool yeah. you know i mean i feel like you got to work and you got to try to talk that stuff out and you got to try to figure out what's going to, you know, what's going to make that, that heal mm -hmm. before you just up and leave. Um, you know, but he must've felt really strongly. Like I said, I know Tyler, he's a, he's a passionate guy and an emotional guy, but he's also very loyal and he was a big part of the team for a long time. I was, I was confused and my, and honestly my feelings were hurt when he left because I didn't have the opportunity to to even learn about what was going on in his mind. Really? You know? Um and uh yeah, you know, that was that was that. I mean, I feel like uh Tyler's a brother, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's doing what he thinks is is best for him and if and if a part of that is uh, some better financial security for the family and making some extra money and and, and you know, quite possibly making what he deserves to be making. I mean, let's be honest is the professional paintball, um, career is only a thing for a select yeah. number of players. Right. And Tyler's a great player and he deserves to be, he deserves to be paid well. And, uh, you know, I, I can't knock those reasons. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, leaving mid season makes it tough. And, uh, I think the team responded, I think the team responded well. You know, at first it was shocking because, like I said, I didn't have a chance to talk to him about it really until mm -hmm. it was done. And so I imagine not very many other guys on the team did either because um, I, I feel like Tyler and I are close. So would have had an opportunity if there was an opportunity to be had, right? Right. Um, but the guys responded in a way that, I mean, right away made me feel like, okay, this it's going to be all right, you know. And we've dealt with stuff like that before. I mean – the team has always had a strong core, but at times pieces of that core have kind of broken off and and gone their their separate way. And you know, all the guys on the team were like, "We're going to be all right. Everyone just has to work a little bit harder. It's it's an opportunity for more people to to step up. Yeah, and we're going to be all right." And you know, we went into the next event in Philly and uh, had a couple injuries. Unfortunately, Arturo broke his hand practicing right. at his home field in Mexico. Um, he wasn't available, or at least we didn't think he was going to be available. Um, we had, uh, you know, Grayson Gladstone, who was a new guy on the team, was still trying to kind of find his legs, and we were trying to figure out if if and where he was going to fit. Mm -hmm. um, Dalton played his ass off but had an injury. Alex played his ass off but had an injury. 
And by the end of the event, we had like five guys, and Arturo was in there with his with his broken gimpy hand. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, we played uh, we played against Heat actually um, in the semifinals. We ended up losing, but you know, still took a respectable third for the adversity that we felt we were up against. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that was um, I think that was a jumping off point for the team to uh, just keep bulldozing on you know it was like some affirmation for us that like yeah or we are going to be all right let's just keep working hard and sky's the limit still you know yeah because it's then, almost to uh, a point where it's like what else are you going to do i mean it's you well, know i mean that's exactly it you yeah. know i mean you like mope around for a day like what the fuck happened how, how did this happen but ultimately i mean the team is a machine that is going to keep going yeah. you know even it gets to like a flat tire, someone's going to go and pump the air up on the tire. It's going to keep rolling. And I mean, that's the way it's always been. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that happening um, with Tyler and, and I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I was kind of surprised about the whole thing. Um, but in the end it was like, well, I mean, people are going to leave. Things are going to happen. Unfortunately it was in, it was, uh, you know, halfway through the season or early enough in the mid season. And, um, but I mean, you guys were so. I, I, there was, it's like you said, there was still something there that was just very prominent with you guys getting third, and then obviously doing well in Chicago, um, first place, and then you know showing up like you did at, at Cup. Is there's very few chinks in the armor, and to see everybody really step up and fill those voids was really cool to see. Um, with the with the guys, I mean, every you have an all star team. That's the thing is, you know, you have all these guys from 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 you and Alex on the team, all the way down to guys like Mike, who just fill kind of every spot that you need a guy for on that field. And you guys just everyone did their job splendidly. I feel that way. Yeah, I feel like we have. Um, I feel like we have a loaded roster. You know, I think there's a lot of loaded rosters out there, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, I mean, even after Tyler left, I didn't feel like this big need to make big changes. I feel like Tyler leaving was was maybe a, a, the shakeup that that we needed to kind of propel us again. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's um, it's uh, it's interesting how that works. You know, you get what some people perceive as like uh, the the doomsday event. For a situation and you know good players and good teams and and a strong core of guys actually look at that as an opportunity you know and i, I yeah. think that's what happened um but yeah you know it's it's interesting there's been a lot of um what you might call shakeups in dynasty's 21 year history Crazy. and it seems like each time the team you know comes back and performs and proves to themselves again that, uh, you know, dynasty has what it needs. And I think all of that is like, um, kind of the toughening of the steel, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why we're, we're still here because the steel has been toughened a a lot of times, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we all, and we all trust each other because we've been through that a lot. Yeah. I was, I was in Chicago and, uh, I, I brought my son on Saturday 
and I had you guys all sign that poster for him and everything. It was such a surreal moment for me because I distinctly remember having that giant triple crown poster signed by everybody. When I first got in, I was like, this is so weird. Just to kind of yeah, see amazing, how long. Man. Yeah. It's insane. And it was awesome to see you guys out there, you know, like across the table and be like, whoa, Carl, what's up, man? Know, it's so right? awesome to see you. And I know that, you know, you and your son are like going to be active together, you know, mm-hmm. and you guys are going to do fun stuff and you're going to, you know, always provide an opportunity to, to, to play or do whatever he wants to do. Um, so that's why I asked you, you know, like, what are you guys into right now? And you're like, ah, disc golf. I was like, ah, disc golf is fun. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, I'm sure the day will come where, uh, you know, you guys get to explore paintball a little bit more and and that'll be cool, too. But, man, it's yeah, that does kind of mark does kind of memorialize how old uh, we are, you know, and the team (laughs) and how long we've been sticking around. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's in it's insane. And I'll, I'll tell you what, man, going to Chicago really got me going of just like realizing time just flies and how much I still am so much, you know, addicted to the sport, even how seldomly I play it. I'd still like, as soon as even like all the five or the, uh, the mechanical stuff, like I'm still like, as soon as I put everything on and I step on the field, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, I know what's going on right back. I'm right back here. No, the game is, uh, you know, you get to a, you get to a certain point in your, like uh, paintball IQ or your acumen, whatever you want to call it. And like, you won't lose that, you mm-hmm. know, you've like gotten to this point in the mental game where you'll always have that. And then anytime you pick up a paintball gun, you know, it's, you're, you're ready to get right back in it again. I mean, you're one of those players that I think will be good for as long as you can hold a paintball gun. <laughs> right. Like I'm not even going to say as long as you can run. Cause that's not a, that's not a crucial part. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, that's, I guess that's true. Yeah. So, and it's fun, right? You play you play something and you're with passion for so long that you have this let's call it muscle memory, but it's like muscle memory for your heart, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this this intense feeling that you've gotten so many times and you've kind of conditioned your heart to feel a certain way and there's certain key things that like when you pick up a paintball gun again, you feel that again. Yeah. Right? And it's like it just brings back this passion again and it's one of the most special parts about our game yeah it's weird too because even stepping on an x-ball field and because what i was doing uh earlier on was i was i was having a 10-man practice down in columbus but then in between the 10-man points i would go and i would step onto the (laughs) x-ball field with my emac and just and just play x-ball too and i'm like everything's still like the same speed for me. Like everything's like still kind of moves the same speed and I'm still seeing the feel like everything's still a couple steps ahead. And I'm like, dude, if I can just convince my wife that it's such a great idea for me to play again, like that would be the only thing. It's, like, I, I know it's tough, right? It's I mean, so tough. you have a, a great family and that's, that's obviously the most important thing. Um, and paintball makes that really tough because you have to be away from, from the family away from home enough time is where it's it's straining you know yeah um and uh you know we're just we're all lucky to play for as long as we can play yeah and we're all lucky to you know still have some opportunities to play if other parts of your life um you know 
have to rise in in priority. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, we're just I I've kind of partially can't believe that we're still just kind of riding the roller coaster. But <laughs> yeah. you know, it's um it's 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 a big part of our lives. I mean, paintball has been for a long time, and the way I see it now, we've got you know the field one company going and uh, we're taking some extra steps with dynasty um, you know bringing on Blake and Marcelo as owners to kind of continue um, the program that we have going and launching the dynasty champions club um, to kind of continue our outreach to dynasty supporters in the community and um, you know at the same time kind of help the team to be self-sufficient financially yeah um i i guess i i see us in here for for a really long time you know and that, that makes yeah. me happy so what uh explain to me a little bit what the champions club is so the champions club um so the idea came about from this simple idea of like the subscription box right mm-hmm. and the idea that um you know and, th- and this was uh we have i don't know a lot of people probably don't know some of like the 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 back office stuff of dynasty but we have a a very close friend who um is also a a, you know he's he's a mentor for us and a lot of the guys on the team eric crandall yeah and you know a lot of people know him that have been around for a long time but eric has always been um, an incredibly important part about of of dynasty and the decisions that dynasty has made through the years to you know kind of make sure we're always going in the right direction and um you know, doing things the right way and doing things the smart way and trying to, you know, look into the future so that, um, you know, we can keep playing this game and, and keep having a successful team year after year. He's more the business this, side, I, right? Um, yeah, but, you know, as you know, paintball can only be business so much, you know, and right. a lot of it, a lot of it does come down to personal relationships and, and how, um, you know how you how you treat and interact with people, and um, that's always been a big thing for Dynasty. You know, being accessible, and uh, you know, holding holding the competitive side of the sport at a high priority, but also really prioritizing, um, you know, being a part of the paintball community and being good ambassadors, and you know, being there for for fans and supporters. And, and honestly, being there for people who are not fans also, right? Yeah. But still trying to um, show them that, you know, there's a, there's a reason that we do things well. And there's a reason why, you know, you could you could root for us if you wanted to. <laughs> if you, uh, just if, if you get the inkling to. Yeah. But anyway, Eric's idea was, look, let's, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Dynasty supporters out there that would love to have like exclusive gear from dynasty right like the Mm -hmm. stuff that the players get um and beyond that now with oliver and alex having hormesis which is like the i mean that's like the end all of exclusivity in the paintball world um it's it's become more apparent right that there's like there's there's not just a want but there's a need for that like there's there's a um there's a section of of paintball players and fans that like really want to have special and exclusive stuff, opportunities, experiences. And I felt like the team was set up well for that. And Eric was like, we should do it. And he started to kind of draw out this, this plan. And we all started kind of putting our heads together on it where not only would it be 
this subscription service where you get a gift box with exclusive, you know, content and gear and stuff like that. But we would build it into this this experience where, you know, we'll start a club. It'll be a limited number of members because we want to have it feel intimate. Yeah. And also we have eight guys on the team, two coaches, a manager, maybe another player here or there. There's only so much reach that we can have with that number of people. And we yeah. want those we want the players to be in this community right so we had to limit the number but we started thinking about these other tiers of things that we could offer and that we could be involved in the community with and some of those things were like you know we call them like grand prize experiences and then there's like uh you know intel sessions where we share information that we've learned about the layout you know we'll do like um a monthly um, webinar about the layout when it drops and talk about paintball strategy and we'll do like interactive interviews with the players where everyone in the club has their opportunity to ask questions and it'll be kind of like a forum thing and nice. um, you know the grand prize experiences are going to offer I mean here's my pitch right I'm like giving you the whole spiel <laughs> yeah. but thanks for the opportunity no worries but my, my favorite part about it and the reason I left this for the end was these grand prize experiences we're going to basically do a drawing every quarter and one of the champions club members is going to win what i feel is like a once in a lifetime opportunity so the first one that's going to be drawn for in january is a chance to make your own signature series force so Ooh. currently the way that it works on the team is if you're on dynasty you get your own signature series force those are the only dynasty guns that we put out there and it's a special thing because each guy gets to have his input on what that force is going to look like some guys are like i just want it to look killer and look badass some guys actually like kind of draw from their personality or some experience and try to make it, you know, something that's very personal to them. Mm -hmm. And we're going to we're going to give that opportunity to a club member. And then if they want, they can also come to the Field One factory and we'll build their gun together. And so there will be that experience where they get to work with Alex and I because we build all the forces. Yeah. And we can actually build their force together and they'll take it home with them and. You know, they'll either hang it on their wall. I hope they shoot it. You know, I'd love to see it out there on the <laughs> right? field. But I, I think that's that's going to be a really special thing for somebody. And then the other things that we have lined up are, you know, like a head-to-toe sponsorship. So basically, everything that Dynasty gets, you're going to get in an awesome package. Mm -hmm. And that means personalized jersey, you know, all the stuff that, you know, even to this day, I've gotten it, I've gotten jerseys and gear for 21 years now. And I, I'm like still like excited to see this year's jersey that's about to come out, right? Yeah. I'm excited to get that like fresh pair of goggles and see what the new stuff is and see all my teammates in the new gear. We're gonna bring in a club member and they're gonna have that experience with us. Um, another one we're gonna do is you get to come to a weekend of practice with the team and you're gonna come as a player. You're gonna come, we're gonna get you points, we're gonna fly you in. Um, you're going to stay at the same hotel that the team stays at. We're going to go to dinners. We're going to go out and we're going to grind on the field. You're going to get your ass chewed out by Coach Kevin, just like the rest <laughs> of us. You're going to get your feelings hurt and your ideas shot down, just like the rest of us. Uh, you're no, going to get just, cut. You know, you're going to get brought back. You're gonna... <laughs> it's just it's it's going to be a cool thing, you know, for yeah. a player that wants to see the inner workings of Dynasty and how Dynasty dissects the field and the process that that Dynasty players use to try to be at their best when they come to the event there's going to be a club member who's like inside of that right yeah and then the last one is um 
the World Cup experience. So we're going to fly one of the club members to World Cup. They'll stay at the team hotel. Again, they'll hang out with the team. They won't be playing this one. <laughs> but, um, you know, they'll be with the team throughout the entire experience. And mm-hmm. for me, World Cup, for I mean, for a lot of players that have played them, World Cup is this it's this extra special time, right? And there's a there's there's a great feeling to it when you're at the event. There's a great feeling amongst the team and and this lucky club member will get a chance to to be a part of that and feel that and and really be on the inside. And I think that's you know, that's special. I mean, I, I look at if I wasn't on the team and I, I could only assume that if I wasn't on the team but I was into paintball, Dynasty would be my favorite team. Some might um, say, yeah. <laughs> I would um I mean, I would look at just those those possibilities as like, man, if I could just if for the chance at one of those opportunities, like I I want to be in this club, you know, right. and I I look at it as like a really cool thing where we get to we get to be an even bigger part of of the community and be with the supporters and and get to you know extend the friendships that we've made with with our fans, our crew, our supporters over the years. And we're going to do all the planning and organizing to make it fun. Yeah. That's all. Give me a minute. Uh, sign up. I'm sorry, this. buddy. It's, it's sold out. <laughs> oh my I, God. I, I hate to break it to you. It, it sold out in about a week. Never mind. Uh, and okay. <laughs> sorry. I do That's have right. an, I do have a, an option for you though. So, you know, this is a monthly subscription thing. Um, right now we're, we're at, I think just around 200 members. Like I said, we wanted to, to keep the number relatively low so that we could maintain some intimacy with the whole, with the whole group. Yeah. Uh, but you know, inevitably there will be turnover. And if we have a lot of success with this where people really love the experience and eventually we'll grow it. Um, and so we have what's called the dynasty paintball club, which is a much, you know, more affordable, more inclusive club it's ten dollars a month you do get some like you know some goodies in the mail and you get access to the intel sessions you get invites to like the dynasty friends and family game that we're going to throw this year and every year from now on um but that's also kind of your your pathway into the dynasty champions club so if there's a vacancy there then we'll we'll select a member from from the paintball club to um offer that spot to that's that's so. such a cool opportunity because I'm, I'm trying to think of it as uh, a kid, you know, of, of looking at you guys the way I did when I first started playing or and having an opportunity like that. Not just I mean, because I think all back then was just like clinics. Right. And that's kind of the only opportunity you had or unless you went to the events was really the only time to kind of mingle. And you couldn't really even mingle when you're at the events because everything was so serious and it would just, you know. It was there was just too much. At least going it felt on. that way, right? Yeah, exactly. Like in every in every team, the inside is like giggles and fun and jokes. Yeah, but yeah. You go there and you see a team, especially if it's like some higher up team that you've been like looking forward to meeting. Yeah. And yeah, it looks too serious to like butt in there and say, "Hey, I'm Carl. I just <laughs> really wanted to meet all you guys and kind of hang out for a bit if that's cool." Yeah, and, and and to have something like this that you guys are doing is is so cool because it's really I'm a big geek about like the behind the scenes stuff, like the behind the scenes stuff, or or very curious at like mannerisms that that people have and just kind of routines that people have. I I love all the back the background stuff. So having well, something is, like this is awesome. 
No, and 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 I I mean I said in the beginning of this we got to talk about podcasts, but like what you do and the content that you put out is is plays into that a lot, right? Like getting people's backstory, getting to like see um, a casual conversation between Carl and Mike or Carl and Yosh or whatever it is, and like it you know getting to getting to know Carl or getting to know Yosh a little bit more when. Um, you know, you and I can just, I mean, we, I don't know how long this is going to go, but I bet we could talk for like six hours straight about paintball and the oh, inner yeah. workings of pro paintball and all that fun stuff. But yeah, there's, there's some, there's some value there, you know? And it's, it's the, it's the same reason why like shows like hard knocks about, you know, they pick a football team and they, they, sh- they let you in the doors for, mm-hmm. for training camp. And it's, it's extremely interesting, you know? And it's something that I know, like, you know, the the people at Go Sports are, you know, they want to provide that that content, right? Yeah. Like, um, I mean, play the game podcast and the Spick and Span show, and and everybody that's that's trying to put content out there is it's all an effort to like kind of knock down those barriers and and uh, allow access to pro players that maybe don't seem all that accessible, but yeah, just people, just people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's, I, I kind of talked to it, uh, talked to Mike a little bit about it, of really having that, having that, uh, that stardom kind of fade away and that friendship show up, you know what I mean? And that's obviously happened over the years, but with this in the very selfish way with the podcast, I'm, I'm doing it for just my own kind of like curiosity because it's like we said before in the beginning, it's like we have these, these seldom meetings with all these players, even guys on our team that we don't, we're not with all the time and being able to listen and hear their story from a different perspective and everything. And obviously I want to share that. And that's why I'm, I'm sharing it and not just hoarding all of these interviews on my, on my laptop. But, uh, but just my own genuine curiosity of, of these people that grew up doing the same thing, I enjoyed doing um, and obviously coming up in some similar ways, but some in very, un, you know, unpeculiar ways. And that's why I want to kind of dig into to kind of how you started. I have so many little question, like little question marks down here prompts. for you. And so one thing, the prompt. one thing that I did want to bring up with you was there was a, there was a die ad that you were in and I believe it you were holding out an IR three like towards the camera and I don't know why it kind of stuck out in my mind, but I remember buying goggles just because you were on the Ironman, I believe. And I bought those goggles and those goggles tore my fingers up, changing those lenses out so much. They were so terrible with the lenses. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just have that wrote down. Cause I, that, I thought that was a little, uh, we started playing in a time where like the lens change situation was not easy i mean a lot of teams had yeah. like their one or two guys on the team that would change everyone's lenses because everyone else couldn't figure it out or their fingers is probably the size of <laughs> mountains on their fingers for these certainly technique was involved with um you know all of that stuff back in the day now yeah. it's easy no dude it's super easy I mean, the, the, yeah Ridiculous. the equipment across the board, the equipment has, um, gotten so much better. I mean, it's like, it, it complements the player's playing style and it complements the need to, you know, 
transition from you know one one lens to the next uh you know it complements the need to have you know consistently working equipment and put through extremely demanding conditions right yeah. this, this stuff is so good i mean um this is a good time to thank my sponsors hey uh you know for anyone listening i mean hk army has been um has been really great you know and this year uh you know the paint shot better than ever and i mean look at the results right yeah and they've just they've just been you know awesome supporters of the team and, it, and it's really great working with them and They've, uh, you know, HK Army has given us everything that we needed to win, win World Cup. Um, Field One Paintball, not going to give a big shout out to those guys. I mean, you're a little biased. You're um, a little biased on that side. But I will say, starting Field One Paintball with my best friends has been another incredible experience in my life. And I'm, I'm proud of the product that we put out. I love shooting my force and the team is doing well with them and the team loves them too. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of great options out there in terms of, of high end paintball guns. I just think, um, you know, that the success the team has had and our process for, for drilling down on what's important and our process for testing and making sure that things are, are right in the design. And then our process for building the guns ourselves and testing them ourselves, I think is, is starting to prove itself as, you know, a good way to make high-end paintball equipment and we're, we're proud of the product we put out there and we hope that people you know if they haven't tried or shot a force yet they give it a try and you know we're always going to have new stuff coming out but they can always know that it's field tested first they, are, um, you, are you guys going to change the design at all of the of the foregrip are you going to keep it kind of that uh, square style so we've gotten a lot of feedback on that and you know first we started with feedback from the team and mm-hmm. the, the feedback from the team was um was was really positive on that that feeling even though it was different right and then yeah. and then we produced the guns and now we've got a lot of them out there and there's a lot of users and um again you know we're, we get really good feedback i mean people uh you know i think at first we were kind of thrown off a little bit by the look and it being different and you know kind of the norm out there was to have something that was covered in in rubber um but the feedback has been really positive on it. What we want to do is we want to we want to, if nothing else, pivot to provide an option for people that want something that feels a little bit different, mm-hmm. or is shaped a little bit different, or has a rubber cover on it. And so, yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a change that will happen in the future at some point. Um, we have, like I said, we're always working on stuff, and we have some designs already for, uh, you know, whatever the next version of the force or a version of a part for the force is going to be. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep working on that and, and continue to, you know, listen and try to offer people what they want. I mean, I mean that's not that's that you need to change it. it at all. I was just curious and no, forgive, you know, forgive it, my but, ignorance, but is that, is it like a battery pack? Is that where the battery pack sits or is two double A's go in there? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the original idea behind that style of foregrip was that, you know, it offers some, um, adjustability, we call it the grip shift and you can have like your foregrip in the forward position, which right, yeah. 99.9% of players use it in. There's also a, a rear position that feels a little bit more like, you know, a, a mini cocker setup or like a mini or an ax or something like that. And if players wanted to transition, but they like the feel of that kind of tight grip, they can move their foregrip back and they can play with it that way. Mm-hmm. 
after we got them out there in the public, you know, there's not a lot of people that are using that functionality. And so, you know, that might be something that we pivot out of just because it's kind of something that uh, seems like it might be an unnecessary feature for for most folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, we just we just keep listening and keep working on new stuff. And, um, you know, we're 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 open to all suggestions and ultimately we're making these guns for us to play with. Um, and we're players and we're just always going to keep listening to the players and see what they want. You think that that would be more of, at least for me, because everybody's so many body sizes are different that that would actually come in handy a lot. If people knew that it actually did what it did, um, you think that they would be like, Oh yeah, I can move the script and have it feel exactly how I want it to feel. Have it feel like an old school shocker. Um, like your guys' Dynasty Shockers. I don't know if you remember yeah. those. Uh, those are pretty cool. Uh, I do. But um, I do. They were pretty cool. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I I have one sitting back here that uh, that I've been <laughs> building, and I haven't been able to get it to a field yet, but I rebuilt it. I rebuilt the um, the mini max flow that's on it and everything. And Sweet. I'm, I'm ready to you take got the it whole thing. Me. Oh, yeah. Here, I'll show it to you because I'm proud of it. Yeah, let me see that. Dude, there it is. This is actually That's Cody's. Great. This is Cody's old gun. Dude, I was gonna say, I feel like I recognize that. You know, it looks like a, a real Dynasty player gun right there. Yeah, it, uh, that uh, tall feed neck when those were cool, and when yep. when it was only cool to have like everything be three stories high, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, just like the 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 four yeah those hybrid grips. Yep, hybrid yep. grips. These things, dude. They what? What's one marker that you shot in the past that? You know, obviously, right now, mark of choice for you is the force. But what is one of the markers that you guys have shot that was kind of your favorite? I mean, I'll say I, I've I've been impressed with everything that we shot. You know, I mean, we typically, um, you know, we, we we want our sponsorships and the gear that we have to shoot because of sponsorships mm-hmm. to be very competitive and so throughout dynasty's existence the choices were always made to you know stay competitive and be competitive and and be able to shoot stuff that we felt was going to allow us to to be just that right yeah so i mean our our time with smart parts um you know through the shockers and then the introduction of the lux um i felt like the lux from a technology standpoint was kind of broke some barriers and and kind of set a trend, you know, and then, and then switching to Eclipse and, and, um, you know, basically experiencing what I think a lot of, um, you know, Eclipse shooters experience, which is, uh, just consistency, right? The guns work really well. You don't have to do too much to them. Um, they maintain this, this level of performance without a lot of, um, you know, tricky maintenance and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They're well supported. Um, Eclipse does a great job with that. They're at like every event. I, I, I mean, they've all been awesome. You know, I've, they're like those two companies always put something great in our hands and it, and it's, um, you know, it kind of gave us a great place to kind of aim at when we were starting our company, you know, let's take the best of everything we've shot. Let's try to follow the model of these companies that we admire and let's try to emulate some things here and let's try to improve some things here and let's let's ultimately come up with something that's unique for us 
And, uh, you know, even like I shot a G6R for two years as we were getting the force through, you know, design and testing. And that was the first time I'd ever played with an Intimidator. You know, mm. the Intimidator has oh, been around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For as long as Dynasty has, you know, and I think there were a lot of years where like everybody out there knew that the Intimidator was the best fucking gun you could play with at a <laughs> yeah. tournament. Right. And it's for whatever reason, whether you had some extra juice or it was just, you know, it was the arms race and they shot the fastest and they were the easiest to shoot fastest. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was that was the truth. And Dynasty never got to be a part of that because Dynasty was never sponsored by Bob Long or any of the makers that that made Intimidator. So getting to play with a G6R for a couple of years, it was fun. Yeah. And, the, and the gun shot great. I mean, the G6R came out in 2011. The version I shot was a, like a 2012 version. But we were shooting it in 2017 and 2018, you know, like, hmm. I mean, years later and the guns were still competitive and they're, you know, it's just kind of a testament to the designs that Bob had. And um, I guess, I, I mean, that kind of segues into this, the idea of the Intimidator and how we're going to, we're going to have something special for people too. And it comes to that, I mean, every, everything is in the works, but the Intimidator is just it was too great of a platform and too juicy for us to leave alone. So we'll we'll have uh, something cool for people that are Field One fans for that too. That is a juicy fruit. Let me juicy fruit intimidator. <laughs> um, Watch for the new intimidator. Now it's going to be a little while. Um, like I said, the force is our baby right now, and we're we're always working on ways to to improve that and kind of take the next step there. Yeah. But we've got a lot of a lot of um, a lot of things going. So. Um, yeah, the I'm excited to see. You. I, I I really enjoy seeing the the field one and that whole side and you guys, just everything from from hormesis to field one to to the players being involved in these things that are really kind of taking this momentum of uh, of not only having amazing players behind the company, but the company representing paintball in such a great light. I think is really cool and I really commend you guys and I, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. Thank you. And none of it would be possible without the community, right? I mean, um, we can go play paintball tournaments and we can, we can make a paintball gun and we can start a company and you know, someone else can start a headband company, but without the support, uh, it would, it wouldn't amount to anything, you know? So yeah. we're, we're grateful to be where we're at and we're grateful to have, you know, fans, supporters, um, you know, people that just believe in us and are willing to give our stuff a try. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. It's like, I, I, I think I always kind of felt like this would be the next step of the dream. Right. And, mm -hmm. and we're kind of in this like crazy time period where the, the two dreams of being a, a professional paintball player and competing with my friends and doing all that is, is intersecting with, with making great paintball products and having our own company and getting to do it our way. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a special time, you know, and, and we're going to, we're going to try to prolong that section of the dream for as long as we can. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, it's a special time and, and we're, we're grateful to, to just be positioned where we're positioned. And to be still a winning team on top of that is, is an amazing feat. Um, I would love to, to talk to you about how you started and how you found paintball and kind of how you, how you became the Yosh Rao. <laughs> so 
I mean, the story starts like a lot of people's, you know, like my, my brothers went to a place called Paintball Hill up in Lake County, Northern California for their birthdays. And I think when my oldest brother, Nate went, um, trying to remember back, it was 50 or 60 years ago that I went and I was, I was too young to play and I just still just went and hung out and, you know, it was, it was camo and it was guns and it was like out in the woods, loud noises people shooting at each other it was like what i wanted to do right but yeah. i was too young so two years later my brother matt went i think for his birthday party or maybe nate went back for his birthday party I don't know, but i was finally able to play and you know i got my got my pump gun and we ran around in the hills and the fields were huge and you could run for th- you know 30 minutes and be in bounds and never see anybody <laughs> um or you could like go get in the mix and like you know, see a lot of people and get shot a lot. And it was my first time. So I, I stuck to the Hills, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, after that, my brothers got into it a little bit. My, my, um, my older brother, Matt, like ended up buying some equipment and we had a big backyard. So he played in the backyard a little bit. I, I, he and he and Nate used to just, like they, they had a set of shop goggles, not safe stuff, but <laughs> a set of shop goggles, I, I distinctly remember like my brother wearing like a, a basketball net over his face for some reason, <laughs> just, just, you know, for distraction. Costume. Yeah. Um, and just like trading off with a gun and shooting each other, you know, running around in the trees in the backyard. And then, uh, you know, I kind of found my way in. I, I went to school with Ryan, um, from a really early age. I mean, uh, we were talking about it uh, a couple of days ago and we we're like, what was, what was the name of our preschool and was there a preschool before that that we went to and we went to this preschool called grasshopper green when we were i guess we were like four or something like that mm-hmm. and we went to school ever since then we went from preschool through college at san diego state and around eighth grade i found out that um ryan and his neighbors liked to play paintball in his yard so immediately like we got together and we started playing paintball after school and before school and on the weekends and playing in the, in the yard like every day. And then we got more and more friends from school involved. Ryan's mom would like collect all the CO2 tanks in a pillowcase and drive them over to Pacific paintball and fill them up and bring them back. And we get to play for hours until, you know, until the very last bit of CO2 was like <laughs> extracted out of the last tank, you know, like we yep. would play until there was not a shot could be fired out of the paintball guns. And, uh, Eventually, we started working for Pacific Paintball in Santa Rosa for Chris Hagen. And he basically just, you know, we were underage and, uh, you know, we were little kids, but we were just big enough to fit in this crawl space where he could have us work at the paintball shop and put together little autococker parts. Oh, wow. And so Ryan and I worked in there for credit for like a year. And they introduced us to, you know, all the, the great local players of the time, which is like Billy Wing had just gotten on the Ironman and he was you know, an awesome local player. And he was always nice to us when he came in the shop and Eric Roberts was around at that time. And he was a great amateur player and he was clearly on his way to being pro. And he was always great to us, you know, gave us rides to the field and stuff like that. Uh, And so we were kind of like, just because we worked at Pacific paintball, Ryan and I were kind of in the, the inner circle as far as Northern California paintball went, Mm -hmm. we got, hung out with the out of control guys, Tim Peters and, you know, everyone was, everyone was pretty nice and like kind of helped us along and gave us opportunities. And then 
we spent enough time at Mare Island that we got to know Eric Crandall, who was only a few years older than us, but he was a part owner in Mare Island back then. Oh, wow. Um, this is 23 years ago or 24 years ago. Fuck. <laughs> it, it's all hitting you just... <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so... We met, Crazy. you know, Alex and and Oliver and Angel was kind of like a local legend, um, and we all just were playing every weekend. I mean, 50, 51, 52 weekends a year, both days. Ryan would drive us out there, or someone would give us a ride, and you know, we'd cook burgers to make a little extra money. We'd ref to um, earn paint so we could play the second half of the day, and the opportunities were just there. Like, there's, it's just. To be young and have absolutely no foothold in paintball and to have so many people willing to help out and, you know, help us get to wherever we wanted to go, whatever that was going to be. I look back on that and it's like, that's really special, you know, and I think that still exists in paintball in a way that's totally unique from a lot of other experiences and sports and games that are out there. There's just a lot of people who are willing to just help you out, make sure you have a good time. If you want to do something different or better or try something new, like a, a paintball player will help you. And that's, that's really special. And we experienced that firsthand. Then we started getting to practice against good teams. You know, Bob Long's Ironmen were out there. Southern California Ironmen came up for practices. There were good amateur teams. There was like, you know, constant pursuit and some of the other old school pro teams would be, have guys out there. And, uh, we just started, getting better and better you know playing them and in the in the anis which was like this kind of thicket of basically just crawly crawly creepy crawly weeds um playing like you know in plywood bunkers and castles playing on what was called the mare island speedball field which is you know not every field had a speedball field but Mm -hmm. hey speedball it's this new thing we can try all the bunkers are close together and it's a small field and you can shoot from one end to the other really easily and we played I mean, we played it countless days on the Maryland speedball field against Bob Long's Ironman and getting to play against pro players when we were like novice and amateur guys, just we were the locals, but we were the little kids and we were, we were pretty good, Yeah, you know? And so they're like, yeah, let's keep playing against those guys. Those guys are kind of showing us the thing or two. Um, and I think they liked, they could shoot the shit out of us and we wouldn't cry or complain too much. So they liked that <laughs> scenario. And, uh, yeah, you know, it just kind of grew from there and uh at a certain point i think we all had we all kind of had the dream that you know this thing professional paintball existed and there was who knows what that actually meant but to us it was like superstardom you know Mm -hmm. we got to get there and you know i I maybe didn't have the vision to think that we were all going to go there together you know and i saw like oliver left first and he went and played on the ironman and in his first season with the Ironman, he became like one of the biggest names in paintball, right? He was like the young superstar. He had this incredible move and this incredible timing. It was well-documented. He won like Mardi Gras for the team playing against image. One of the, one of the most storied franchises that was around in that time. And we all looked at that and we're like, man, Oliver's doing that. You know, like we're just as good as that guy. We, we could all be doing that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and started kind of hearing of opportunities, seeking opportunities, however you want to, you want to say it. And I ended up wanting to go join Oliver on the Ironman. 
and had kind of become friends with some of the older guys on the team, like Davey and Maddie and Micah. Um, this is all still before Dynasty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is kind of leading up to right before Dynasty. So yeah. I kind of made that jump thinking, all right, we're all going to turn pro. Uh, some guys are going to go play on Avalanche. Some guys are going to play for Iron Man. Some guys are going to do this. Some guys are going to do that. You know, like kind of with the assumption that like all the guys that wanted to were going to have opportunities to go play. Right. And I made that jump, and I don't really remember how how much later it came, but um, for the rest of the guys, the opportunity to basically start a new pro team and be heavily sponsored by JT Paintball back in the day, which was like one of the biggest companies, if not the biggest company, basically provided every pro team with, with the shit that they wore. Yeah. Right? Um, that opportunity came about because of you know a few individuals, Chuck Hench, was a big part of that. Um, and those guys grabbed that opportunity, started a team, called it Dynasty, and just, you know, started this crazy run. And, uh, you know, it took a couple years. I feel like I had made the decision to play with the Ironman. I had um, met and become friends with some really great individuals on the team. Uh, and I felt like I still kind of wanted to prove myself. You know, we were all young and I kind of even when Oliver left to go back to Dynasty, I I played with the Ironmen for another season and wanted to, um, actually for another two seasons, and wanted to kind of prove to myself that um, that I belonged at that level, um, and also felt like there was a lot to be learned from, you know, my friends on the Ironmen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was with at that point it was like pretty much all guys that were older than me that had been playing for a long time and had been through the pro ranks for, you know, a good amount of time and had dealt with, you know, a lot of bullshit successes, defeats. And there was a, there was a lot to be learned there and we had strong relationships and, you know, a lot of those guys I'm still really, really close with. Um, and so, you know, eventually it, eventually it became apparent that I, that I wanted to, and I needed to rejoin my friends on dynasty and, I was lucky that they didn't hold it against me too much and <laughs> let me come back. Was this 03 yeah, or 04? So that must have been 04, my first year, actually. Uh, hold on a second. I can reference something in the background here. Yeah, because I can't see. It's all blurred out, so I, I can't help you. Uh, yeah, so 2004. I should know this, but 2004 <laughs> was my first year with the team. Um, and you know, at that point, dynasty was well established as a top pro team, you know, mm -hmm. they were winning a lot of stuff. I mean, there were still lots of other good teams in the pro division, but dynasty had started its run and a lot of that, you know, had to do with the core of the team. And then Oliver coming back was a big boost. And, um, you know, it was just like, uh, I don't know the next, the next few years just kind of felt like a celebration of of coming back together and playing pro paintball and, um, you know, just really kind of eye opening and, and life changing stuff for me. That was a wild run too, because that was, that was around the time when I got onto excessive and then there was the whole dynasty. That was such a cool, because I felt like, I mean, obviously I wasn't around for anything else prior to that, but I felt like the dynasty excessive rivalry was one of the biggest like it was, one, it was one for the books oh certainly. man yeah it was awesome 
and it was so competitive, but relationships were forged because of that too. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was a, um, there was a healthy respect for each other because the competition was so fierce and it lasted a long time. I mean, it was years of, um, feeling like excessive was a team that we were going to have to beat. Right. Like we're going to go to this event. We're going to play at the end. We've got to beat excessive. That was kind of like how it felt at the time because there weren't, there just wasn't another powerhouse that was consistently in there. Um, I mean, there were other good teams and, and every once in a while, another good team would, would pop its head up and, and steal one. Mm -hmm. Right. But, yeah, that the the rivalry between excessive and dynasty was was definitely something special. I mean, um, I don't remember every single every single tournament and every single game that I've ever played, but a lot of the ones that are that are stuck in the memory bank are are from that time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree because I it was I, I remember around that time too. I was coming out to San Diego. I was you know staying with Maddie. I was hanging out with you guys, and that's the thing too is that we were. We were these rivals at both, uh, both the PSP and the MPPL side, but then you know, and uh, we would practice each other here and there. But then when it came to like at the end of the day, some of the guys lived with each other and lived so close, and everybody hung out, and it was it was so cool. I remember one time I came down and uh, I played a softball game with the Meat Hammers, yep. <laughs> and it just like. The whole the whole atmosphere Dude, was we such needed a cool you. time. Yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> it was like, awesome. Oh, thank goodness Carl's here. <laughs> Somebody that actually knows what they're doing. Carl, get out there. <laughs> oh, it was so fun. I, that I, every time? Is that how this works? Oh, no, we have to have a lineup? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody was plastered, and I get up there. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. And I just I crack one over the fence. I'm like, oh, that was fun. That was awesome. <laughs> Yay, Carl. Oh, dude. I wish Come I, back I, again next week. I, I wish I had a jersey. Those things were sweet. Um, but yeah, there was, that was a cool time because it was really, I was really able to see kind of both sides of, of being on a competitive team, but then hanging out with the number one team at the same time and really seeing, seeing guys who are close to my age who are, uh, tenured at this, even at this point and just kind of making a name for themselves and, and continuing to do so, but then playing on a team with a bunch of like just killers and veterans and, and, and it really, opened up my eyes to kind of there's you you have to gain these relationships throughout you can't just be this competitive guy just fuck everybody and 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 that's it and um and being on excessive and hanging out with you guys and throughout the years really helped me kind of understand that and bringing it back to uh when you were talking about when you when you kind of first started and you had those helping hands early on did that really help you kind of with your perspective about how to go about handling the game and 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 seeing the way you play and kind of handle things on the field did that really help early on um i mean i think what it helped with was the the perspective that i still carry today which is that you know people aren't always gonna understand what you're talking about or see it your way and that helps a lot with with um you know trying to integrate new guys on the team um and trying to you know help solve issues between players even if it's a momentary one you know 
um, being around, being around people that were always like just willing to help and wanted to help. And then being around team guys who, you know, my experience with the Ironman was, was just this, what I'm about to describe, but it was like, it was a team full of guys that wanted to help each other. You know, there was, um, I, I, I played a little bit of team sports when I was younger. You know, I played soccer, um, played baseball when I was really young. To me, I didn't learn shit about being a teammate or being in a team in any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That stuff didn't start to actually enter my brain, and I, I didn't start to learn anything about that until until I was on a paintball team. Yeah, you know, and um, just that that experience of being around being around the guys and and seeing, you know, there's a certain guy here in the room that. Um, that always seems to like kind of speak up for, for fairness. And then there's a certain guy in the room that always seems to speak up for, you know, trying to keep the, keep the thing going in the right direction. And there's this, there's a guy in here that, that always kind of has his voice going and like, you know, continuing to work hard. Mm-hmm. And there was just always a good example of that for me, you know, and I, I looked at, you know, certain guys had, you know, that voice that kind of carried all of those characteristics. And that was like, that guy's a fucking leader, you know, and that type of thing always interested me, you know, like the, the guy that inspired the players around him, the guy that kind of kept the ship going in the, in the right direction. And I've been lucky to be around lots of those guys, you know, and a lot of those guys are on my team right now. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those guys aren't on my team anymore, but I still appreciate, you know, being around that and learning from that. And, you know, when the, when the situation calls for it, trying to, you know, put my, put my best piece out there, um, to try to keep the ship going in the right direction. Yeah. What was, um, and I, I, I totally get that from you, even though this is the longest we've ever talked ever. I, I think I say that every single podcast with people like that. I feel like I'm really good friends with, but it's like really good friends. Like, only seen each other five times a year and obviously we haven't done that in a long time <laughs> that's how it goes yeah. <laughs> but but yeah I, I i just i i love this is such another thing that i love about these things is you you learn more of these assumptions that you good assumptions that you have about people and it's kind of reconfirmed um or reaffirmed rather uh when it's when it's talked about and brought up but what's what's a, a piece of advice that you received coming up uh, that really stuck with you that kind of really led the way in your decision making uh playing on the field um you know the dynasty i don't know i i can't give credit just to dynasty cuz i hope that other teams out there are are also trying to bring people up in this way but um something that's been told to me repeatedly being on the team and being around these guys who are extremely demanding of performance. Right. And these guys who are, um, who also demand that of themselves. And that's why they can be extremely demanding of performance. Cause it's like, come on guys, get, get on my level, you know? And if you have yeah. a, a bunch of guys around that are like constantly trying to get everyone on their level, that level gets pretty fucking high, pretty fucking fast. Right. But what I've always what I've always felt and what I think is important in the dynasty camp is that you're just expected to be yourself. 
you know? And that's something that I, I try to tell every young or new guy that, that comes onto the team is you just, you got to be yourself. You know, you can't come in here and think, Oh, now I'm on dynasty. I've made it. I'm going to, I'm going to be a superstar. I'm going to, I'm going to change so that I can do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever they need me to do. You know, like that's not why you got on the team. You got on the team because you were who you were and we liked that. And that's what we want to continue to, to cultivate and grow in you. And, uh, that's, that's kind of been the best, the best advice I've gotten, you know, throughout the years is just, just be yourself. Right. I mean, you're here for a reason and just keep working on that. Obviously you want to be the best version of yourself, but, yeah. um, that's good advice. And, you know, over my time with the Ironman, I, I had a chance to, um, you know, hang out and talk with Rich Telford quite a bit. So I, I've always felt like Rich has been a mentor for me. Um, you know, he gives it to me straight. Um, Rich is, you know, Rich is a tough guy, but, um, I mean, he's a tough guy and he's also a tough guy, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but, but deep down, you know, Rich, I, 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 Rich always did what he thought was best for the team. And I had a, always have had and had a huge amount of respect for him. And I, I was able to pick up on that very early on playing with him. Mm -hmm. And over the years, you know, I always valued his, his, um, advice, his perspective, because I know that about him, you know, I know that he's going to give it to me straight and he's, you know, his, his compass is always like, you know, pointed in the direction that I want mine to be pointed in. Yeah. So, um, you know, he was, a always, always gave me a lot of good info and, you know, the whole thing my whole existence in paintball has, has been a, a learning process. I mean, even now I learn from, from guys on the team, um, that I might have seniority over, but you know, sometimes they say some pretty smart shit <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there's a, like, I, we're all getting older and everyone's got their experiences and everybody has had to learn things the hard way certain times. And, and sometimes they've been told and they believe it and that's how they learn. But, there's so much, there's so much that people share with me now. I got my teammates. That's just, it's good. It's good life advice. You know, mm -hmm. um, Alex and Ryan always have a, a good perspective to share, whether it's about paintball or our business together or family or just, you know, how to live your life. And I, I appreciate that. And, you know, Blake and Marcelo too, you know, these are like, these are men who have grown up in the same thing that I've grown up in. So we understand each other. We know mostly where we, you know, all have come from and we can see eye to eye on that, but everyone's got their unique perspective. And I, you know, I appreciate all those guys sharing that with me and, you know, like coach Kevin, Kevin and I used to, when I was in high school, um, I had a cell phone with like minutes on it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And I like my cell phone might run out of minutes. It was actually my mom's cell phone. <laughs> she let me borrow it when I leave the house. Don't you dare text. <laughs> it's like 10 cents a text. That might run out of minutes, right? I'd be like, okay, I should stop using that. And then I'd call him on the house phone and like there was long distance charges. And, and Kevin lived in Orange County um, and that was long distance for me. I lived in Sonoma County. There was a long distance charge and my, my parents started getting the phone bill and 
like, what is this 949 number? You know, it's like two hours this night, hour and a half that night. Like, who's making these calls, you know? And it was me. And I would talk to Kevin for hours. And I was in high school and Kevin was a little bit older than I was. We just became really good buddies, you know, after our being introduced just to play on the Iron Kids together. And we played mm-hmm. a number of years together. And Kevin's always been in paintball, you know. He just got out of playing paintball and worked in paintball for a lot of years. A lot of people don't realize that he was like, you know, designing products and and working for some of paintball's biggest companies. Hmm. Um, but bringing him back to the team, there's been like this this maturation now with Kevin where I mean, maybe I'm just more mature and I can I can see it now. Maybe I was just too dumb to understand it now. But Kevin is such a great coach. I mean, he's he's he comes from a place of wanting to be fair, right? And as a player, you can't help but love that in a coach, right? Like yeah. this guy wants to win and he wants to be fair. And that just makes you feel like I've I've got all the opportunity that I need, right? Now yeah. it's on me. I'm going to get my shot and it's on me. And at the end of the day, coach is going to do what he thinks is best so that we can win tournaments, mm-hmm. right? And he, and he treats everybody that way and it, it's, it shows and I just, I got so much respect for him, you know? We used to just, we used to just fuck off and go drinking. We're roommates for years, great buddies. I have this newfound respect for for Kevin now, um, you know, playing under him. Yeah, uh, and he coached us before too. But this is, um, you know, this has been kind of a, a new thing, and I got much appreciation for it. I don't really know him that well, but I feel like the experiences that I do have with him and, and kind of how I, how I take how he is as a person and as a coach is fairness is honesty. And if he can be honest with himself and be honest with all the players, that's the most fair. I feel like you can be is mm-hmm. really telling people, Hey, you're not playing really good. We, you need to, you need to figure that out and, or go over here and really give somebody that, like just a look and a nod to let you know you're playing good or whatever. Just knowing not knowing when not to fuck with somebody who's on, you know what I'm talking about? Like when somebody's on, you know, they're on, let them be on, you know, mm-hmm. like let them figure it out, you know, and then, uh, and then being able to manage that. And I feel like he is in a really good position and, and a really good person to be able to manage the, just like Rusty was too, even though they're two different coaches, but I feel like those two guys are, are really well at managing the personalities and the different perspectives um, of world champions. And I, I think he just accents the, uh, the crown that you guys already have. Yeah. He's um, yeah. Both Rusty and Kevin. Um, I mean, Kevin's already had a lot of success. Rusty had a lot of success with the team. The guys respected him. Again, Rusty was fair um, and smart. Different guys, you know. But uh, Rusty, Rusty liked being in the. Rusty liked being in the huddle, you know. Rusty mm-hmm. liked to um, find ways to to inspire. Rusty liked the inspirational speeches and the motivation and all that, along with the analytical side that that he really um, tried to push. Kevin 
hates being in the huddle. <laughs> I was gonna like, say. Kevin, Kevin doesn't want to put his hand in there, you know? Just do whatever you want. Just do whatever. Next to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't even want to stand next to it. He just wants, you know, I don't know. I, I got it. It's an interesting thing, but then when it's time to play, he's like perfectly organized. Um, he's got balls when it comes to calling plays. Mm-hmm. He's decisive. You know, he's got just, um, I, mean, I mean, shit, it's not hard to say he won the last two pro tournaments. He's got it figured out, right? Yeah. But a lot of that comes from just the, the guys respecting him and seeing how he works and, and uh, you know, it's it's easy if all the guys respect you, I think, you know. I, I, I could imagine because you're actually having that trust, uh, that, that player-coach uh, dynamic of, of that trust bridge that's there is just it makes it that much easier instead of trying to like questioning a move or questioning a play you take that out of it all there is is coaching and playing that's right move on moving on um speaking of moving on let's kind of cross out a few things that i wanted to talk to you about (laughs) i feel like this is such a formal interview style um (laughs) (laughs) dude thank you by the way for doing this this is dude this is awesome and i've I've wanted to have you on here for so long and i've dropped the ball on asking you and getting hold i'm honored dude but i uh for some Midwest kid who has immortalized Dynasty in my head and had the very fortunate opportunity of playing against you guys, I wouldn't say during your prime because you guys are just have always had this amazing level of play, um, has been just a, a child's dream come true. And I to be able to talk to you as a friend and to be able to talk to you about product, the industry, and have a mutual respect is is something that i will forever treasure uh, hopefully that's Thank not you, too Carl. like sentimental it's but it's just no, it's how man, I it's great i feel i feel the same way i'm honored to be on um i think what you're doing is great i mean it's great for paintball but it's also good for us right i mean the connections that we have like you said we i i consider you a good friend but we haven't we've never spoken this much before yeah but this type of stuff is important you know and if the way we have to do it is you organize it and we each get a microphone in between us and a screen. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's the way, that's the way it's gotta be. And I, I'm, um, I'm grateful for it. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, no worries. Any, any time at all. Um, let's see. We talked about that. We talked about field one. Uh, Oh, here's one that I've kind of wanted to bring up. Has there any, has there been any time throughout dynasty's, uh, existence in your career to where you were kind of wondering if you were going to be back, if you were going to be not just back on the team, but maybe just a break away from the game or just some kind of maybe reset. Yeah. So um, I'll start that answer by saying throughout all the years I played on dynasty, there's never been a time where I really seriously felt like the team was ever going to break up. We've never we've never had that. We've always had a, a strong core. There's been fights and stuff like that, but it was always like fighting towards some sort of resolution, not fighting to like get away from each other. Yeah. And then to follow that, there's never been a time where I thought I should go play somewhere else. I've never wanted to leave the team since I joined the team at the end of two thousand three. I've the the minute that I got back in with the guys felt like I was home and it's always felt like my home as far as myself feeling like you know 
when is my time going to be up here as far as, you know, my ability to play or how much time I can put into the game and how much time I can put into myself, making sure that I, you know, can be a competitive player. Um, you know, I'd say maybe there was, there's been two times that I've thought, I don't know how much longer I have, you know, but I never, I never thought like, this is my last season, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and maybe fairly quickly after having that thought, like, I don't know how much longer I'm, I can continue to put in what I think needs to be put in, in order to be a contributor. Yeah. I think I probably crushed that thought pretty quickly, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know, something fun happened or, um, yeah, we got some new cool gear or something. A fresh pair of goggles and you're like, oh, these smell good <laughs> for now. No, it's just, um, it's always been, I've, I've always, I've always felt a drive. I've always felt, you know, passionate about playing and working at, at being a player. Um, you know, there's been times where with Dynasty where it's like, maybe the question isn't, am I done? But should I, I step aside to allow for the next generation of players to come through the dynasty system and and we'll continue to build dynasty that way i feel like alex has had that thought i feel like oliver has talked about that with some of us individually you know like when maybe it's time to step aside and and let marcelo and blake have their time you know mm-hmm. and and we've just kind of realized i have at least that those guys are having their time those guys are just as big a part of this as Ryan, Alex, and I are now, you know? Guys like Dalton and Mike and Arturo and, you know, Tyler and Brandon Short and all of the guys that have been with the team through the the valleys and the mountains and, and the successes and, you know, I just, I love it too much. Like, I haven't wanted to step away. I mean, maybe I've talked about it briefly with my wife, and she was like, don't don't stop playing, you know? Like, just, awesome. why? Just, I know you love it, you know? What are you going to do instead of playing? Like, play until you just can't play anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm grateful for that, you know? Like, that type of encouragement, too, is like, it almost makes me want to cry because to feel supported like that my family watches i was like talking to my brother about like world World cup and the team mentality and he was honestly he was kind of interviewing me last night kind (laughs) of like in this type of format you know so like tell me about the team's mentality when you guys go into the finals against a team like x factor yeah and i was like well okay here we go nate um but yeah man like my wife doesn't love when i leave to go to a tournament, but she loves that I'm there and she loves that, you know, we have this family that's because of dynasty and because of paintball. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we both, we both understand that and appreciate it. And, um, you know, because of that, I'll never leave. (laughs) I'm going nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, um, I feel like I, I still have a lot to give and even, even, when I get to the point where, you know, I can't contribute as much on the field as as the other guys on the team, I, I still want to be there because I feel like I can help in a lot of other ways. And um, I, I just love being there with the guys. Um, and, you know, the team has proven over the years that 
there are lots of lots of capable guys that have come to the team and helped the team to win and help the team to you know get to where it's at yeah and i i think with you being involved uh with field one and everything it just makes it that much more closer to the heart um and and even making it more passionate than uh than maybe just playing yeah i'm involved <laughs> you're there's in no it. Du- <laughs> you're there's in no it. doubt about it you know we've, we've um we've committed um but uh, i mean it's it's because we love it you know yeah <laughs> we were like at the um right after the finals match at world cup and lauren kelly was down on the field all the players were there all our crew was there i mean our crew they were just fucking amazing for the entire event i mean they always are but we had like a group of veteran crew that just they're dialed in and yep you know our our um assistant coach and and pit manager victor gamboa he helps them to get dialed in and he does his thing and the crew does their thing so crucial. and they're just dude they're so awesome you know like we don't have to think about anything we could have like some sort of meltdown happening in the pit and the crew is just solid and victor is just solid and they're just handling business for us you know and they always do and it's you know shout out shout out to all of them because i mean again we wouldn't be victorious without them yeah um but anyway we're, we're on the field and the whole crew is there and lauren kelly is like kind of going down the line interviewing people i think they're wrapping up the broadcast and um you know, people get to say their piece. They ask like Brandon Short, like, "What are you? What are you thinking right now?" And he's like, "Man, I just like got off the couch. I can't believe I'm here. This is great." <laughs> and uh, you know, they're interviewing Ryan. Ryan's there with his with his um, fiance and his and their beautiful daughter Sloan. And that's just a magical thing seeing them there. And Ryan's you know covered in paint, and they're embracing. And Sloan is there like holding her finger up, and <laughs> it's cool. And Alex like goes across the whole group and goes and whispers. So Ryan's like, hey, say this, you know, and I didn't hear what he said. And I was like, I don't need to say that. I don't need to say that. <laughs> and then um, I, like Alex got back to the end of the line and he was just like, we love paintball. And he was, that was what he wanted Ryan to say. You know, like, hey, remind people that we love paintball. You know, that's why we're here. And then like Alex got quoted on that later. And he was like, look, they quoted me. They, <laughs> look, Alex Frazier, we love paintball. And like, dude, that that says it all, you know? Yeah. We fucking love paintball. I mean, all parts of it. We're so we're so we're so happy to be here and and uh I mean, yeah, it's our it's our it's our thing. And we love that it's other people's thing too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, the community is is an amazing thing. I mean for for something as small as it is, it's I mean, it's not terribly small, but it's a it's a it's relatively pretty, it's, pretty yeah, small. it's pretty small. But yeah. um but it's just cool how how tight knit everything is, and how passionate so many people are about it, and how how I feel like it's making a comeback um, to to hopefully it's 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 heyday, it's new heyday, and new heyday, yeah, whatever that is, <laughs> whatever that is, it it seems to be coming back to that, and and people are seeming to enjoy and love paintball again, and uh, it it seems to be a great time to be involved in. And speaking on that, where do you see the the future of competitive paintball going? Do you see it still staying as a five-man X-ball format? Uh, do you see it expanding back to possibly seven-man? Do you see the team shrinking down instead of having 20 going down? Or where, where do you see it? Um, I think a lot of the things you mentioned are um, 
are actually not to me not that important for where I see paintball in the future you know I've never really been the person that thought like how are we going to fix paintball what format is going to fix paintball you know I, right. I don't think that's the thing I think paintball is enjoyed um because of like the the basic nature of the game which is that you get cool gear you get to like shoot at people you don't get in trouble they shoot back at you there's this like um you know hunter prey mentality you can you'll always be fighting to be the hunter mm-hmm. uh there's the team aspect of it there's the individual skill aspect of it there's variety there's community all of those things are like you know that's a lot of things but it's, it's pretty basic and the format doesn't change any of that shit you know and so i don't think that you know people are looking for a solution for how to make paintball huge and take it to mainstream i don't know that it's a format changer and maybe that could aid it in some way but um i think it's just in the way that it's presented you know it's for people that don't play paintball or that aren't you know in it on the level that we are and the people that are going to listen to the podcast are um it's seen as an odd thing mm-hmm. you know it still is i mean we used to travel through the airport people were wondering why we're all wearing the same shirt and we would tell them paintball and they wouldn't even know what that word is they would think it was something else they think that's really bizarre um they think oh are you guys like part of some like military group or something like that Mm -hmm. or are you playing pinball all the all the cliche shit that we've all heard right now people know what it is i mean it's it's at least gotten to the point where I mean, almost everybody you run to has a story about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've either played or their buddy got shot by a frozen paintball or <laughs> their their grandson had a birthday party and they all went and played paintball. Yep. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it has grown to, to a, a pretty good level. But I think the way that it's presented and that's going to be like, you know, on the players, it's 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 stuff like this. You know, it's the different um, different ways people can absorb it. I mean podcasts and the webcast is is pretty high quality right now but one thing i would say about it is to make it more presentable they they got to get rid of the split deck thing you know i was gonna bring that up i mean i think everyone should bring that shit up right and i get it from a logistical standpoint it's hard um but it's because there's so many teams that's the thing i i feel nothing against any of the teams playing at all um, pro teams, but I, I truly feel that it should be cut down from 20 to whatever the manageable number is. And then, and then have those standard games just played so out. Where you can run a three day tournament and not have split deck. Right. Yeah. And be able to, and be able to put out, to be able to broadcast that and be able to have a one and a half or two minute break in between points where you can you can do an instant replay. You can tell a little bit of background or story. Mm-hmm. You can go down into the pits and hear what people are saying and kind of try to figure out what the next move is going to be. Yeah. You know, you can go back and replay some other part of the tournament, a, a similar move or some indicator that like there's a story at the event, right? Cause yeah. there is, I mean, the whole event is a story that's unfolding and, and players and coaches are learning as they go. And some of that is lost in the split deck thing. You know, the horn goes off, different team over here, different team over here. I mean, it's it's distracting, and I hope that at some point soon we can we can fix that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, maybe it is making the pro division smaller. Maybe it's 
you know, you could keep the pro division the same size, but you could have a field where, you know, a certain number of pro games are played on that field over there. Yeah. And maybe it's the higher ranking teams or the marquee teams have more games on the pro field. And then if you earn your way later in the tournament, then you're guaranteed to have more of those games on the pro field and in the broadcast. Yeah. You know, if you think of like some of these other sports that have like a three day event, um, not everything is televised. They, they grab all the juicy bits, right. And then they, they create the story for where the broadcast is actually going to pick up. And if that's Sunday, then, you know, they could pick up all the juicy bits leading up to Sunday and Sunday could be no split deck and story and, you know, keep it really clean. And I think that would make viewing it a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's also, you know, showing the fun side of paintball. I mean, we got to have we got to have more out there about, you know, the personalities of paintball and the dynamics of different teams and the fun aspects of paintball, you know, yeah. whether that's like big games and scenario games too, that needs coverage because for a lot of people playing at the pro level is not attainable and maybe not even that appealing, but for almost everybody that actually starts playing paintball the first time, the idea of a big game, that looks fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even for all pro players who obviously have found what they love to do, they still, I'm speaking for myself and everyone on my team and probably most of the other people out there, like you see like this huge 100 on 100 breakout or 200 on 200 breakout at a big game. And you're like, that looks fun. <laughs> and that needs to be shown too, you yeah. know, because that's a big part of paintball. That's that's most people's dream scenario as mm-hmm. far as their, their paintball experience goes. So yeah. I kind of think we're on a good track, honestly. I think the NXL is doing a, a pretty good job. You know, the tournaments are are of a pretty high quality. Um, I have always liked the idea of competition in in like every aspect of of the industry, whether that's guns, teams, goggles, and tournaments, right? Like I, I I'm not one to say like the NXL is doing as good a job as can be done. People should just leave that alone put their money in the NXL. If someone else wants to come along and try to prove that they can do it better, I'm for that too. But I do think the NXL has set a pretty good bar. Yeah. Um, Competition is good. The refing is, is better than it's ever been in my opinion. And I think that they've, they've uh, done some things with, you know, Jason Trozen and like the instant replay. They've, they've tried to manage things that they could manage and the refs are on the same page or they're, they're of a high caliber. um, And, you know, that's, that's, um, promising too, because that, mm-hmm. that, um, definitely helps with the quality of play when the refing is good and the, you know, fields are good and the events go smoothly and things go on time. It's, yeah, it's one, good. One thing that I do, I would suggest, or I wouldn't suggest, I just have an idea is having a light uh, behind and above the start box. So when that buzzer is hit, the light goes off, and it's more of a clear indication of when that buzzer is hit. And then that could, yeah, that's more of a visual of being able to like see things. Like you guys had an instant. Um, well, was a, there was there a close call or something at the last event that just, you wanted? There was to actually get a, a little few. more clarification on it, dude. Honestly, honestly, yeah. just not it's only like every the, event. just not only that instance well, with with Archie and 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 B Short, which B Short should have shot. 
a lot. I feel like I was like waiting for him to hit. I was like, yeah, oh, oh, okay. There. It was weird. I feel like <laughs> it was Short super was like weird. kind of in disbelief that Archie was like at our start. I was like, what's that guy doing there? Oh, shit. Yeah. And then shot <laughs> him. So you know? weird. But that that happened actually a few times at uh, at that event where it was like either something like that happened or two people hit the buzzer at the same time or relatively close to the same time. And you, if you, I feel like if you have that light that a fixed camera is on or something, some kind of a timestamp or something that you can kind of go back to and see, I think would be a cool little just totally. adder. That would be a great add-on for live viewing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's got to be, to be honest, for a good portion of World Cup, the on the grandstand side, which is where I watched the most games, there wasn't really a good scoreboard to see no. from th- from that perspective. And there was a good scoreboard for the VIP to see. At least I think it was working most of the time. You could see the score and you could see the time and you can make some sense of it. Mm-hmm. But there should be good scoreboards so that at any point, anybody that's watching that can like look up and see, get get some perspective on what's going on, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, that idea of, of having a light, I mean, it's, it's, it's no different from how the NFL does it, um, mm-hmm. where they have like the, they have the clock going like on all parts of the field so that oh, the play clock. every, right. Yep. Every, every camera angle yep. can see the play happening and also see the clock at this, like in the same frame. Right. Exactly. That would be perfect right across. You... And, and, and the NBA does the same thing. Yeah. Where like the the backboard has a light on it or for the shot clock. Mm-hmm. And so you can see the play happening and you have an indicator whether it was too late or not too late. Right. And they can capture that very easily. Um, you know, there's something to be said for that little red button on the back. Somebody was talking about that. Maybe Tyler mentioned like we got to get rid of this this red button that's on the back of the start gate. That's what you have to hit. But like not only is it hidden from the player? You have to reach over to get it, but also no one else can see like when that player actually hits it. Right. Right. And so there, yeah, maybe there should be some other indicator, like a thing that you have to rip off or something like that. And then when you break that, then it stops the clock. Yeah. Right. Like maybe there's a flag right there and you have to run and pull that flag. And when it breaks the contact clock stops and you can have it very clear as to what happened and, and when, I always thought like um, a big dinner bell. That'd be I think sweet. that would be <laughs> Yeah, and one side has like the dinner bell and one side has like a big like Triangle. cow sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ooh, <laughs> you know. And so you could tell what team scored. Yeah, and that could be an easy sit down brainstorm thing to where uh each team could have their own signature sound. Exactly. Is where I'm going with that. See? Um yeah, yep. you know, that, I've heard I've heard a lot of people talk especially like listening to episodes of um you know, PTG with Marcelo and Tyler and, and almost every guest they have on, they, they talk about like, it, how can we improve this thing? Where mm-hmm. do you think it needs to go? Um, there's always talk about the split deck thing, yeah. but there's a lot of great ideas that get, that get thrown around and I don't know if they go anywhere, but I know that, um, you know, Tom Cole does a pretty good job of having a, a line to players and coaches and, Tom Cole's always trying to, you know, figure out little things that'll improve it. So, yeah, maybe the light or the cow sound <laughs> could. Uh, well, could, you bringing could, up could, you bringing up that timer is actually it kind of has me thinking because I'm imagining above where you can see it 
no matter where you start, um, but above maybe 10 foot high or something like that, on either side of the field, you have the countdown, the countdown clock in between points. Have that clock going, and then above that, have your light. And whenever the, that countdown clock goes off, the light goes on, so it's kind of mm-hmm. a dual thing. It's a visual thing. And then also, whenever the buzzer is hit, the light goes off. Yep. So it's it, not only are you going to be able to see that from whether you're starting on the snake side or the Dorito side, no matter how tall the field is or anything, you should be able to see that, or at least made it to be able to be seen. Um, right. But you're going to have the 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 audio find, too of the horn. Right. You can find a spot on the field where a bunker prohibits one player from seeing it. But yeah, it's there. It becomes the clock is such a crucial part of the game mm-hmm. right? and hidden I mean, most of the time. Right. Clock management is extremely crucial for, for players and teams. It dictates winners and losers and teams that aren't practicing clock management are, are not fucking winning. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. And so because it's such an important thing, it should also be witnessed. Right. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, every other sport, the, the clock is, is ultra important in paintball. It is too. It's just not always easy to see. You know, which is not so always odd easy. to me. It's, it's not always easy to see if that score actually happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That is that is an interesting one. The thing, it yeah, seems like something that could be relatively easily improved upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. Because like you've explained too, uh, just how crucial it is and thinking about it of not only the times uh, over and above the dead boxes with the light, but then also just having a game clock on the other side of the actual scoreboard just and that's all it is is a game clock because that's we don't care about the fucking score or we have that in the pits right right when we go back there or the logos or i don't give a shit as long as you just have a clock on the other side because i don't know how many times i've started on a field where i'm low and going into the snake and i have i am only starting on audible like the, the audible side, that's it, because there's usually a fucking right. tower or something that's in the way where it's just like, and I can't even bother even looking over there. Yep. It's got it's got its challenges, but it seems like that's that's something that they could probably work out pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe bring me on as a field, co-field anchor with, uh, <laughs> with uh, I can't even think of her name now. Lauren Kelly. Saying. Yeah, with Lauren. I'm all for that, man. Yeah, I mean, she might be for that, too. Give her a little break. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think the, the coverage is always good. I mean, I look at, like, the job that Maddie does. I mean, he's, like, in the booth every single match of the All entire great. tournament, yeah. every minute, on. He's on, like, the entire time. He's good at being on, though. Dude, there is no other broadcasting job anywhere that has that that requires that, you know? No. Never. Ever, anywhere. I mean, Mm-mm. what Maddie does is it's it's such a special job and he's he's like gotten his craft to like just perfection, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I've thought about this often. Like, I don't, I don't know what the broadcast would be without Maddie either. Yeah. I mean, there's there's other contributors that do a good job, too. But I mean, clearly Maddie is the rock there, you know, but I, I know like he would probably appreciate some help too. So if you want to, you know, you're getting to practice in front of the mic. If, you, if that was something you wanted to go contribute with, I'm sure he would welcome you. I do tend to talk too much. 
and that <laughs> that might be a good attribute when I go up there. This is what we need up yeah. in the booth. Yeah, well, it's a great perspective too. You know, having the former players go up there and and even having the guest players go up there and uh, and kind of give their two cents. It's it's cool to hear and and it's it's great to see because yeah, I can't imagine being up there all day like like Maddie does. Tough, but he does it. But yeah, I mean, you know, I um, the crew there that does the broadcast. I, I think they do a good job. I think there's yeah. um, I think there's some small things that can be fixed, but but otherwise, I, I like the trajectory that that paintball is on. You know, there's always mm-hmm. people that are like, this could be better. The bathrooms could be nicer. This bad thing happened at an event. You know, some of those things are like kind of outside of. Um, the events control, you know, some of that stuff is like on individuals. Yeah. I mean, if you go anywhere and the bathroom is all fucked up, it's like, you can kind of tell if it was mismanaged by the event or mismanaged by one asshole (laughs) (laughs) or many assholes. (laughs) No pun intended. Um, yeah, but you know, otherwise I think, I think things are pretty good. I mean, I, I had, it's an enjoyable experience for me and I've seen a lot of different tournaments, you know? Yeah. Well, Yosh, I, man, I really appreciate your time and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and, and seeing you in Chicago. And it was, uh, it was everything that I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Dude, uh, like I said, I'm honored. I I appreciate you staying up so late for me. Oh, no worries, dude. Um, but yeah, man, I'm honored to be on your show and, and have this time to talk together. And I just, you know, I can't thank you enough and I hope that you keep doing what you're doing because I know that this this type of content and this type of conversation is is really good for paintball and it's nice for people to you know not only get to know your guests but also get to know your perspective too because it's um it's it's valid and it's um you know it's based on a lot of experience and uh that's appreciated thank you man it means it really does mean a lot um and I, I enjoy doing it, which helps. <laughs> so, uh, Excellent. where can, where can people find you and, uh, where, like where, uh, as far as social medias go and, and websites and where can they find you at? Um, I mean, you know, I'm easy to find at field one paintball cause I'm there every day and that's where, you know, I, I, that's where I prefer people to find me, but I'm also on Instagram a little bit, you know, you can get me through any of the dynasty channels. Um, we did just start the champions club and paintball club. So, I can be reached through any of the contact channels through dynastypaintball.com as well. But um, I'm easy to, unique name, Yosh Rao on Instagram. Find me, hit me up. You know, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I try to be pretty good about responding to people, but I appreciate all the messages and stuff like that. And, and I like to be able to like kind of peer into people's lives a little <laughs> bit there, you know, even though I don't make a lot of posts. But um, yeah, man, hit me up the traditional way. Oh, for sure, man. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, and uh, good luck in the offseason, and good luck uh, next year, and hope to hear from you soon. All right. Thanks, Carl. Have a good night. Thanks for having me on. No worries. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much, Yosh, for sitting down and talking to me. It was a great pleasure, man. I had had an awesome time to be able to uh, shoot the shit and just talk about the past, talk about the future. And I, uh, my hat tips to you, my friend, uh, a true legend in the game. And uh, thank you to everybody listening out there. I hope everybody's having a safe weekend and had an awesome holiday. Uh, go out there, play some paintball, 
make some people smell the leather and feel the pain. Big Wet Wednesdays. Bring it back. I'm sure somebody's got to be doing Big Wet Wednesdays. At least that's what we did back at Toledo Indoor. That was fun. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. It has been... Can't even talk. It has been uh, an awesome time so far, and I can't wait for all the uh, the future guests that are planned. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be... It's going to be a cool ride, and uh, I can't believe that 2022 is around the corner. It has... Man, these past couple years have just flown by. And just with with life in general, with paintball, with... Um, the, the world we have gone through some uh, some crazy times and it's it's truly weird to be alive right now and just kind of seeing how everything is playing out and it's interesting to say the least but um but yeah thank you everybody for sitting down and letting me kind of occupy some of your time and uh and we'll see you uh, we see everybody here soon again next time on the Playing On Podcast. Peace!